In the United States, it's easy to get so caught up in breaking news or the latest controversy or arguments between political factions that we can forget what really matters. Here's George Verwer, the founder of Operation Mobilization. So I, I urge people, don't lose your focus. Your focus must be the Lord himself. You need more time in the Word and less time in the newspapers, more time in the Word, less time in social media. There's place for those things, but it should be not minor next to our prayer life, next to the Word, and sharing our faith. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them he sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are on the road this week in London, England. I wanna set the stage, we're in a, a church uh, just about a, a couple blocks from Westminster Abbey, just a couple blocks from uh, the House of Commons. And I am here with one of the legends of the missions community. George Verwer is the founder of Operation Mobilization. You've heard other voices from Operation Mobilization over the years on VOM Radio. Today we have the founder. George, it's such an honor to have you on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Welcome. Welcome to London, my hometown, at least for the last 54 years. I know we're here at an event celebrating Release International, which is our British sister mission, founded by Richard Wormbrand. You knew Richard. What, what are your memories of, of the Wormbrands? Well, my first memory is because um, I had sent our co-workers, especially Dale Rotan, into Eastern Europe to basically smuggled scriptures and Christian books. And they came back to me in the mid-60s and asked if I'd be, because we had a lot of vehicles, if I would be in favor of smuggling uh, Richard out of Romania. I didn't know that much about him at that time. And I thought about that and prayed about that and felt God had called us to smuggle literature, not people. So Smuggle literature in, not people out. Yeah. And I think it was a wise decision. He came out in a, you know, through the Norwegians, I believe, who put up some money. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I got to meet him personally in that same place where I made that decision. Within a year or two, he was our main speaker at the OM conference. Very bold man, tore off his shirt and showed us his wounds. And then Dale Rotan worked closely with him where I was more in the background and then he would come to London and we would meet and he had some interesting viewpoints about me. He thought I was committed to poverty because we tended to be a little extreme and I can remember Richard saying to me, look, Verwer, he'd say, if, if you keep going down this poverty line, you're, you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> It seems like it works. it's worked out okay for you. Well, we, we turned away from some of the more extreme practices, actually, even before that. Just a couple months back, we had Gary Witherall on VOM Radio talking about Bonnie's sacrifice. Are there OM martyrs that, that you've known well and, and had to kind of walk through that grief? Yeah, um, not a lot, but... Um, a girl uh, in Afghanistan, um, 
she was martyred there, and I had to meet right here in London with her mother and talk to her. I think I was out of the leadership then, but I was still involved in, in relationships. So that was a, quite a, a challenge. Of course, I was very close to uh, Gary and Bonnie, and, and I'm a big pusher of, of his book. Just thrilled that it's going into Spanish right now. We had another man in Turkey. We're not, we don't know if we can say he was a martyr because it seems it may have been a mistake, but he was shot during his quiet time when he answered the door. I visited his graveside. So for me at that time, he was a martyr. These stories come up later as to why he was, uh, he was murdered. Uh, of course, the man who's been in prison lately in, uh, that everybody is, I think, aware of, Andrew Bronson, he was my personal travel assistant here in London about 30 years ago. Wow. So I've been very aware of his imprisonment. So yeah, I've had some first-hand experience, but I feel, uh, you know, compared to some, we've had it easy. I was also arrested by the Soviets. That's my claim to being anything near Richard Wormbrot, and it's not very near, actually, but uh, it was, I was smuggled. I was the first to go into Russia. That was my original vision. Western Europe was not in our vision. It was only the Soviet bloc when, when I birthed OM, the Middle East, places like Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Western Europe, even India was not in the loop yet because we wanted the places that were the most difficult, most impossible. So in 61, I launched my first effort into Russia. I got caught by the KGB very quickly due to my own stupidity, was accused of being a spy, and uh, that's when I came out. And during the day of prayer, I got the vision to mobilize Western Europe and let Europeans do this. And God gave me, in a day of prayer, the name Operation Mobilization. By the next summer, there were 200 of us, which is a miracle. We were unknown. And by the next summer, there were 2,000. And since then, over 200,000 have served with, uh, with OM. An amazing story of, of growth and of the blessing of God. You mentioned going into the Soviet Union and Afghanistan and some of those places. How do you think about risk? Because you know when you go in some of those places, someone is going to go to jail. Someone is probably going to be killed. So how do you think about that as you're making those decisions and sending those people out? I think risk for us internationals can get exaggerated because often our risk is much less than the nationals. And we have to be thinking our, our sort of wildcat efforts that we get into going to jeopardize local believers and cause some of them to be arrested and, and even martyred. And that, that is the toughest challenge often facing us as internationals. I mean, we, we may get arrested for a few days. We've had, from our earliest days in Europe, we've had people in prison, but usually a few weeks, a few months. But often, uh, to be honest, emotionally damage, emotional damage takes place. These are young people. They didn't expect that, so we, we have to count the cost, and it's, it's not easy. How do you prepare, particularly young people, because you mentioned we're sending young people into these countries, how do you help them count the cost ahead of time? A lot of the places where we sent people in the summer efforts, which OM in the beginning was very famous for, were not high-risk countries. There were a few. Uh, everybody had to go through very intensive training. 
OM was not like some of the short-term summer things today with very short preparation, and the actual effort is often quite short. I'm not condemning that, but OM's goal was the transformation of the people who came, not that we were going to be the great missionaries to France, which was one of our big fields at that time. And so we had these in training conferences, we had interviews, and if you went into a risk zone at that time, Eastern Europe, we did have some in the summer, especially Yugoslavia, which was somewhat easier, but one of my closest friends was put in prison there. We're still linked together. They would have an extra interview, and we used to try to scare them, actually, but of course some of the young people, that section of their brain had not developed yet. <laughs> what about their parents? Was there an effort to tell their parents, hey, you know, this bad stuff could happen. In the early days, we, we didn't tell the parents much. The whole thing was very fast moving. I think parents were already worried that their son or daughter was joining a uh, somewhat unknown renegade ragamuffin mobilization organization, especially if they weren't Christians. But we did have, from the beginning of my ministry here in Great Britain, which was our bigger birthplace, we got, in God's mercy, credibility, enough credibility with churches so that in newspaper, that a lot of positive things were being said about me by the mercy of God, by our work, and so quite a few godly parents, they were quite thrilled that their kids were doing anything for Jesus right. because they knew of the other options all around them, drugs, alcohol, fornication and everything else that's now a popular sport among the, the students. As you were preparing them and as you're sending them out, as the leader, did you worry about them? Did, did it bother you to send people to places like Afghanistan? To be honest, of course, I was a lot more extreme, a lot wilder back then. So I didn't actually worry about it too much. I believe very much that God was in control. This was God's work. I've always believed that I was just a servant of the Lord and that he would take care of his people. And if someone was to suffer or be martyred, as we saw clearly, we were very strong in the scriptures in our movement. We knew the passages about Paul, about suffering. And, and so uh, I think in some ways I would be more ready for it then than I, than I would today when you know, you've seen at my age so many things that have gone wrong. And I think... Um, those of us in the senior years, we, we have new challenges and we, we have to constantly, I just constantly repent of any lukewarmness, any fear, any worry. Just repent and fall at the feet of Jesus. One of the key books in our movement, and everybody was reading, of course, Torture for Christ in different languages, but one of the key books in our movement, I've been rereading it today again, is Calvary Road, which talks about the cross and talks about really spirit-filled godly living. So that was a very big part of our DNA that enabled young people to really be willing to suffer for Christ. I think a lot more than straightforward suffering, a lot of people in OM in those days and to this day, they learned we have to be willing to endure hardship as soldiers of Jesus Christ. You're not going to eat your favorite foods. You're not going to always get all your feelings you know, I don't feel like doing this. This is not what we're into in OM. What you feel like doing. You know, we're an army. We need to do God's command, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I think today, and I'm sure we had some things wrong, 
But I think today we are way too uh, emotion and feeling oriented. And so verses like, if any man come after me, let him deny self, take up the cross and follow me. It seems so out of place in our, in our culture, but that's God's culture. And that's what we should be committed to. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with George Verwer. He is the founder of Operation Mobilization. George, were there ever times where somebody wanted to go someplace and, and you and the leadership team said, it's too dangerous, don't, don't go? We would more tell them that we don't feel you're ready. There probably were a few other cases like you've referred to where we wouldn't send anybody. I'm sure there were, um, but I remember one very American gal I wanted to go overland with my wife and I to India. This wasn't mainly in connection with suffering. It was her being ready for the trip and being ready for India. India is a tough place, and she was misbehaving a bit. And I said, well, you can go with us to Switzerland, and we don't see improvement. You're not going beyond Switzerland. And I had the terrible experience of telling that gal uh, in Switzerland, you're going back. You're not going to India. So <laughs> there are hard decisions. How do you how do you approach those hard decisions? As the leader, you've no doubt had countless times where very difficult choices had to be made. How do you approach those? Firstly, in prayer, seeking the Lord, but I, I hardly ever made a decision on my own. Uh, Dale Rotom, by the way, has been with me since college. I mean, he left for joining Whitcliffe, and I bent his arm at Wheaton College and got him to drop that idea. I won't tell you how I did that. But... Um, I always used to share with Dale, and then later on, Peter Maiden, a godly man here in England, became my associate director. So I would get at least a couple other people to pray with me before I, uh, I made a, a tough decision, easier decisions you can just you know sometimes make quickly. And uh, we have had Dale Rotan on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you'd like to hear that, and I would encourage you to, uh, go to vomradio.net. Dale was one of the people that went into Romania and met with Richard Wormbrand before he came out. Uh, and he shares that story about going to the apartment, meeting with Richard. And so I would encourage you, go to vomradio.net and just search for Operation Mobilization or search for Dale Rotan, and you will find that. We've talked a little bit about your staff and the people you're sending out, getting them ready for persecution or possible persecution. What about the, the local people? Because you, you talked about it could be a lot worse for the local folks than it will be for the Westerner. Have you had any kind of philosophy as far as planting churches in those places and helping people be ready for persecution? I think one of the key things to mention is that I was very strong on trusting people. OM was growing very fast uh, together with the OM side was a huge publishing side that I was very involved with. So I would give a leader of an area of a nation, I would give him that responsibility. Sometimes they would have a board so they weren't on their own. And then I would more or less trust them. And so really Dale Roton was fully responsible for Eastern Europe for years. I didn't get involved. I don't know if you've ever heard that the, the Stasi in East Germany, we found out through documents recently discovered, there's a whole book about this now called Tripping, but they made OM, whatever they called us, 
uh, a primary target of the uh, secret police of East Germany to stop us, that we were dangerous. We've only just, when these documents were released a few years ago, found out how we were uh, such an enemy. But we had a very effective work in East Germany, but we, had, we always had setbacks, you know. I think it's a mark of honor that you were considered an enemy. The, the fact that they considered you such a threat is, is an honor. Why is the gospel, why is the Bible such a threat to repressive regimes like East Germany, like China today, like Iran, like other places? Why, why do you think it is such a danger to them that they respond that way? Well, I mean, look at the first centuries of the church. It was the same way. And uh, it was only under Constantine that they finally made Christianity official, which led to a whole new different range of problems that were perhaps even worse, affecting us to this day. You know, soon we had the Holy Roman Empire, soon we had nations claiming to be Christian nations with all the complexity that that brings. So, uh, of course, the national church in every nation is always divided to think that it's they're all united in China or Nepal, wherever. I've only been to 100 countries. But God works through human weakness. God works even through disunity. God experiences all the emotion at the same time, so he can be grieved and yet blessed in, in, at, the, at the same time. And um, a lot of, there's a lot of sad stories that are promoted, and that puts the government's backs up. Plus, other times they were... They were committed to atheism, so without saying, naturally, Christianity is arch enemy number one. George, do you have a message for American Christians who are listening to this radio show to challenge them to a deeper faith? Uh, first of all, though, I'm a missionary in Europe and Asia, and I've never, I've never been back for any sort of proper furlough. I have ministered all over the states in almost every single state. I love the United States. But I feel in these days of increased complexity that people are losing their focus, and their focus is more political and American-centered than it is Christ-centered and global-centered. And we don't have really anything in the New Testament about America, I'm not saying that the principles don't apply in certain ways, but I really believe it's a mistake to lose our passion for the rest of the world. In America, we don't know what suffering is. There are, of course, exceptions. And when we think of how many are suffering, even physically, and it's interesting that sometimes non-Christians seem to be more concerned about global suffering and the epidemics and, 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 than, than some American Christians who are just so caught up in the present-day political crisis. As you know, many uh, are not getting on because they're pro-this or anti-that. So I, I urge people, don't lose your focus. Your focus must be the Lord himself. You need more time in the Word and less time in the newspapers, more time in the Word, less time in social media. There's place for those things, but it should be not minor next to our prayer life, next to the Word, and sharing our faith. Surveys show that hardly anybody is sharing their faith. We get in all these different discussions and issue-related arguments, and we don't share the basic faith. And I thank God Billy Graham. He stuck to the basics, and when I went as a non-Christian to Madison Square Garden and heard him preach. It was John 3.16. It was believe on Jesus. And, you know, that's why I'm here today. I think that's such a good reminder and such a good message. George, 
one of the things that we try to do at, at the end of every program is equip our listeners to pray. How can our listeners pray for OM and for your workers who are going into all the world? People don't have to agree with this. And by the way, I'll send my book, Messiology, free to anybody who emails me. But I believe we need more specific prayer. You know, I'm, I'm weary of hearing these general prayers that as you look back over the years, most of them not answered. I mean, I won't give you my list, my discouraging list. I'm not saying there isn't a place for general prayer. You know, anybody praying is better than, than not praying. But I think we need to get more mission prayer letters. We need to get uh, books like Operation World. We need to have the names of government officials and pray for them by name. I believe we have indication in the New Testament of the value of praying for people by name and praying for specific situations where it's within a dimension of our faith to actually believe that something is, is going to happen. And also, I believe people need to be careful with their vocabulary. Some of the persecution of nationals, it's happening in India right now, are because of the extreme vocabulary of missionaries. Even some of the books that get written, take our nation for Christ. In this day and age, that's not a term uh, in most places that you should use. A number of nations where the head guy felt the nation now was Christian, both in Africa and Latin America, if you research them, it's generally been a lot of bad news. So I just plea with people to beware of extremes, keep your feet on the ground, and of course, your head before God in, in prayer and as much as possible specific prayer. You mentioned your book, Messiology, and, I, and I'm a big fan of the book. I, I loved it. Things aren't always pretty in, in gospel work, <laughs> to, to put it mildly. Can you give us maybe just a two-minute summary of what the book, Messiology, is about? Yeah, that isn't the only theme of the book. It was originally called More Drops, following on from my original book, Drops from a Leaking Tap. But everybody started talking about the messiology part of the book, and the USA publisher, Moody Press, they always like to be different, they insisted the book be called Messiology. It's also about one-fifth uh, autobiography. I've had a lot of people chase me for that, so that's, to me, all I'm going to get. Uh, stories, but it's, it's, it's clear. We don't lose our commitment to holiness and to discipleship. That's what OM's all about. But we need to understand that God often thinks and works differently from us. We're, we've got our cultural baggage. We've got our OM baggage, our church baggage, then our own personalities. And God doesn't have that. And so I believe because of the cross, because of the power of the blood of Christ, God is often working in situations that are messy. He's often working in churches where they got a few screwy doctrines. And we write whole books against them. Well, so many theological books, they lack the messiological factor that, yeah, this is, this is your perfect theology. But well, why is God blessing that church down the road with 5,000 more conversions who don't actually follow your theology or want to even read your book? So I could give you another thousand stories, <laughs> but I think that's enough for now. George, it is such a great honor to have you on Voice of the Mars Radio, and uh, I'm just so thrilled that we had this chance to talk together. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you for your lifetime of work, uh, taking the gospel and sending out literally thousands, tens of thousands, into the fields, the, the fields that are white for harvest. 
Thanks for being our guest this week on VOM Radio. Thank you. Hope we meet up again. Well, I do hope that we will be able to meet up again with George Verwer, the founder of Operation Mobilization. We recorded that interview in London, England, here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. And if you missed any of it, I hope you'll listen again at vomradio.net. In the archives there, you can also hear interviews with Dale Roton, George's co-founder of Operation Mobilization, and Andrew Scott, who is currently the president of OMUSA. These interviews and others in the archives will give you a greater heart for the whole world, the same kind of heart that God has. Again, our web address is vomradio.net. Speaking of having a heart for the world, next week we're going to hear about what's going on inside North Korea. You know, we hear a lot about that country in the news, but next week we'll get an update on what God is doing among his people in that country from Dr. Eric Foley. Please be back and join us right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.